Welcome to the Attack Action Podcast, where we talk about friendship, fun times, and most importantly, flesh and blood. Here are your hosts, Taylor and Isaac. Hello, Attactioneers. It's Taylor Morrow, one of the hosts of the Attack Action Podcast. I'm here with the other host of the Attack Action Podcast, Isaac. What is up? Dude, I'm psyched for our in-depth dynasty deep dive. We will be spending approximately 25 minutes per card with our analysis. (laughs) (laughs) So so, uh, buckle up. It's going to be... No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Pot, fresh and pot or... Nope. Sorry. Fresh buds. (laughs) Fresh and buds. Fuck. Tommy fresh. Five hours. We're going for 10 hours. There we go. That joke hit. (laughs) <laughs> first try nailed it yeah totally was was clean that up in post <laughs> to, to a perfectly crafted joke yeah i've actually done that before like i've nice one of us has fucked up a joke or and then like the other person like kind of laughs or talks over the punchline or something like that and i like cut the other person out so it hits so <laughs> Just so you know, you don't have you don't have to be perfect. I love nice. you just the way you nice. are. Thanks, man. I wonder how they. Maybe I should start listening to our pods again. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, in all seriousness, this is our dynasty uh, impressions podcast, if you will. Yeah. We're going to talk about like what we like, um, what we don't like about it, um, just. I guess use cases and initial impressions for um, I guess what we think about it and what we're going to try first and, you know, all, all of our, all of our thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I haven't personally had a lot of time to, um, to like test in depth yet. So things may change, but you know, this is our, this is our hot take. Hell yeah. So first we'll start off though with our, news segment so pro tour three apparently is in north america uh per the uh, fab tcg website update that could be mexico canada or the united states of america so uh pretty broad giant chunks of land uh that we will have to uh, parse through to figure out where the hell it is. Um, but at least we know it's in North America. No date. And uh, yeah, that's kind of it for the news at this point. Yeah, I think LSS is trying to be transparent about like they don't have it planned yet, but they're trying to give us what information they have, right? Like they're shopping around in North America. Um, on our end, it like that's not like how plane tickets work or whatever you know right yeah with no get one to denver Uh, it's like and then yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's yeah that's central (laughs) yeah totally Um, so i mean i do appreciate them sharing what information they do have but um you know uh not not booking anything yet (laughs) yeah so and there's also, this isn't really news. These are just complaints 
which uh, is fine. Uh, but I would have hoped that we would have a kind of overarching OP announcement for the next year by now. Hopefully we get that in early December and um, that we also get to like know not just the seasons of play, like uh, PQs, skirmish, PQs, RTNs, or whatever, but that we also get like the callings and maybe the battle hardens, just kind of like the idea, broad strokes, you know? And I just, I would just love for them to tell us more information about that stuff along the way before the announcement. That would ease so much of my anxiety and I think would be helpful for people to kind of look at the year on a macro level rather than like the announcement comes out and then we're just living in this micro little competitive climate or something, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. I imagine like part of the perspective, right. Is like for diehard TCG players, you know, this is their primary thing, right? So if something's announced two or three months ahead of time, they book it, they're going and, uh, you know, it's fine. Like they'd like more heads up, but they're, you know, this is their top priority in life for people like you or I who would love to go to a calling if there's one somewhere near the rest West coast, or if, you know, we're both free during the summer or something, um, Mm -hmm. and maybe need a bit more heads up because we're not, uh, I guess expecting to just, you know, drop everything or book everything last minute and go for every, everything that's announced. Um, I don't know what you call it, mid-level player or whatever yeah. for, Beat, for us. B-tier. Really, yeah. yeah, really help out. <laughs> yeah, totally. But, you know, it's okay until it's too late. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, let's move on to shout-outs. Do you have any shout-outs, Isaac? Just me? Nope, you're doing a great job, Taylor. Thanks. How did you know <laughs> I was going to shout you out? Oh, <laughs> nice. Thanks, dude. I really yeah. appreciate that. Keep it uh, up. Okay, I will. Awesome. Uh, my shout out goes to Michael Hamilton for plugging the podcast on the T Street TC Team Covenant live stream the other day. Um, that was super awesome. Glad you listened, Michael. Let us know if you want to come on anytime. We'll have Michael's Corner where you just come on and Talk about whatever you want because you're Michael Hamilton. So that'd be fun. Little Mike, little Mikey's corner. Um, you know, Stephen and Zach tried to like freaking talk over Michael Hamilton as he was plugging our podcast. Maybe the Covenant guys are starting a rivalry with us. I don't know. And I don't think it's happening, but I just want us to be prepared if it is happening. Whoa, that's a hot take. Well, if we're just playing a strictly numbers game, they're in trouble. I'll tell you what. (laughs) Yeah, because I think we're both (laughs) taller and faster than both of them. So we're winning that numbers game for sure. And numbers can be anything that we want it to be. So (laughs) a selective numbers game. Yeah, wherever our numbers are most advantageous is where we will meet on the battlefield. Yep. And anyway. I, uh, 
I feel like we don't often like I will not shout out like Michael Hamilton for winning worlds or, you know, Tarek for winning Canadian. Nat- you know what I mean? Because I just assume like they're doing a great job and I'm sure they got enough high fives to like tide them over <laughs> for the next all- century. Right. Yeah. But they, um, they both only run on high fives. Yeah. In fact, about but- great flesh and blood players. <laughs> Not, I'm just saying, I'm not trying to be like snooty or just not acknowledge their achievement. It's just like, you know, they all did great. So definitely shout out uh, to Michael Hamilton and everybody else who has put in the work and won major tournaments this year. Yeah. Shout out to everybody (laughs) past, present and future who did well. Yeah. I'm just making up for all past omissions. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. So no complaints. (laughs) okay you don't need to feel self-conscious you know all right just because michael hamilton's like super nice and likes cats it's fine <laughs> it's totally fine uh okay announcements so a couple of things here be sure to keep your eyes peeled and your ears open for our end of the year uh live episode date announcement we're for sure doing a live episode the week of christmas we're just unsure of the particular date and time as of this recording so make sure you uh follow us on twitter is probably the best place to go to get the update uh whenever that drops maybe we'll do a audio promo uh leading up to whenever we figure that out. So just be on the lookout for that because it's going to be a rip roaring good time. It's going to be me, Isaac, Colin, and we're just going to, you know, dick around for an hour, hour and a half. Talk to the chat. Isaac will have a mustache by then. I'm I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm growing it as we speak. Totally. It's going to be awesome. Never sleeping. I'm always putting in the work. Yeah, totally. I your nightly routine. I know you've been really diligent about. You apply the coconut oil uh, <laughs> thinly to the upper lip, and then massage for ten minutes before bed. That's what I do uh, every day. So, you know, you should be in tip top shape. No, by I December. didn't. I didn't know anything about mustaches, so uh, I need all these tips. <laughs> well, okay, there you go for Thanks. you and the listeners. Uh, speaking of live shows, me and Mr. Thomas Fresh will be doing a fab free podcast on December 21st at, oops, went too far in the calendar at 8 p.m. Pacific time. It will follow uh, the Bud Rush Bellows. Insidious Chill is going to be me and Tommy reviewing a Christmas movie. And the movie we chose this year was Anna and the Apocalypse. So it's not flesh and blood related. It is just holiday buddy time related. So if that interests you, uh, we'll be doing that. And we'll be doing this once a year, every year until we die. So you can look forward to this holiday treat every year. So make sure you tune in on December 21st, 8 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, Announcements further. Make sure you all support (laughs) us. You know, 
Check us out on Instagram. I just tweeted about the women's rugby final. Uh, incredible, incredible sports moment. Uh, New Zealand playing in front of their home crowd in the World Cup championship game against the biggest rival, England, who's on a 30-game winning streak. This is just It's just on YouTube. You can go watch it. Um, and I cried. I just bawled my little eyes out basically through the whole game. Uh, incredible spectacle, incredible athletes, uh, etc. What was I saying? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, further announcements. Follow us. Oh yeah, on Twitter, and you can get all of that fun stuff about the my hot takes about women's rugby on Twitter as well as the flesh and blood content. Uh, you know, sub to the channel, leave a review. So y'all did a good job when I. Put this uh, uh, action item in the podcast before about reviewing it. So if you're listening on iTunes, blammo, give us a review. If you're listening on Spotify, give us the amount of stars you believe is appropriate. Hopefully it's five, etc. All of those things help us out. If you're watching our vids on YouTube, thumbs it up, leave a comment, etc. All of that stuff is uh, really useful. Don't be don't be one of those people who listens every single episode and isn't subscribing. Just subscribe. It like takes two seconds and does nothing negative to you. So but it helps us out a lot. So appreciate it in advance. I think that's it. Do you have any announcements, Isaac? I do not. That was your that was your segment. Sweet. Perfect. Okay. Let's get into some life updates. I recently learned that people enjoy when we talk about what's going on in our lives. So let's talk about what's going on in our lives. I had no idea. Yeah. Also, I haven't talked to you in a a while, so I would love to hear from you. What are you doing? Um, Oh, am I going first? Yeah, because I just got done talking. I have to take a sip of my eggnog and brandy, or excuse me, bourbon. Mitch is also in eggnog season. Yeah, totally. So good. He showed up November 1st, I think, at my house <laughs> to like watch a movie or something. It was just like eggnog season and had like a jug of eggnog. <laughs> I think the first day it's in stores or whatever. <laughs> so this is post Thanksgiving. So this is when I start my my eggnog campaign. Nice. Um. Um, I had something I was thinking about today. This isn't really a life update, but since I just have the mic and can say whatever I want, um, <laughs> I have a, I guess, a, an introspective anecdote um, that kind of like harkens back to um, our competitive, uh, being a competitive player episode. Um, so I, I went... Uh, rock climbing this weekend, which is like another hobby I like to do um, as often as possible, although it's a little bit harder than just getting together to play a card game. But um, I had I had an experience where I, I climbed this route when I was out there, and if you had told me that I could even get up it when I started, I would have been psyched. It would have been awesome. You know, I like haven't, I haven't climbed much recently. Um, it, I would have been surprised and just like, yeah, that's great. I'm in a really good spot and, um, you know, great job me. 
So then I, <laughs> shout, so then I shout did, out to uh, me. Yeah. <laughs> but then I climbed, um, I climbed this route and I, I did it the first day and I thought I was going to onsite it, but I fell at the second crux and then like worked it out and then completed it. Right. And, um, you should, you should define a few of these terms. Uh, well, they don't matter. This is like a, it's going to be in relation to flesh and blood, but, oh, okay. um, onsite is just where you show up and climb something without having seen anybody do it or like knowing anything about it. So you have to like, um, problem solve on the fly. Whereas, um, you know, most routes you do, you kind of work it out as you climb and then you try it over and over and you, you eventually complete it through learning, um, learning the route. So anyway, um, you know, I tried the night before and I like did it, I cruised it, I fell at the crux and then I, you know, I came down and I was like psyched. I was like, whoa, sick. I'm, I'm doing great. You know, um, then I went back and, uh, tried it the next morning and got all the way up to the second crux, knew what I had to do, did all the moves right. But you kind of, it's a, like a really, it's a difficult move to uh, kind of a blind hold. And I like did everything correctly and wasn't too tired or anything, but just kind of missed the hold and then whipped off and was like pretty disappointed um, because I didn't feel like it was like too hard or whatever. I just kind of like flubbed it, um, you know, and I'm, I'm not really sure why except maybe i was like a bit overconfident or just didn't like try hard enough or whatever it was right and um so anyway then i you know so i fell once and then i did it and uh then i went back later today and tried it again but it was it was like too late i didn't have the strength to like give it a go right um i I fell off the first crux and then I came all the way down to like try to do the whole thing again. And then I fell off the second crux, but I could, I could just tell I like didn't have the strength left to, uh, to do it. So that was over. But, um, it kind of reminded me of like, um, competitive games of flesh and blood where, you know, it's like I, you're prepared, you know what to do. You have the right amount of resources to do it, right? You, you know the lines, you know the sequences, and you're, uh, you know, it's like difficult. You have a lot of things to manage, you know, your own fatigue and like um, kind of multiple things to juggle at once. And then uh, for whatever reason, even though you kind of know how you should do it, you just kind of make a mistake and, and blow it and then you lose that game, you know? And um, And it's like, it's disappointing because you've, all the everything leading up to that moment um preparation wise and then during that game you know you've been nailing it it's great and then you get to that moment sometimes and it's not like you're too tired to like think for the rest of the day or you're you couldn't have taken like 20 more seconds to like double check and make sure you're going to do it right or anything but you just kind of make like a suboptimal play and uh and lose right and um that's kind of a bit how I felt today in that, you know, like, and the, the same thing, um, applies in that if you told me beforehand how well I would do, I'd been psyched, 
you know, like uh, in a major yeah. flesh and blood tournament or yeah. like climbing yeah. this route. It's like very proud of how I did the effort I put in, you know, all of that. Mm-hmm. But then you have this like little moment where you could have done better. You were very capable of doing better and then you didn't. Right. And now the moment's passed and you can't get it back. Right. Like I tried again today and I just couldn't do it. And, you know, when that round is done in a tournament, you're just, you're just done. Right. Like there's yeah. no way. And I don't really know why that bothers me so much, but I think it's like, I had to drive home today. So I had a bit of time to think about this and how it works in my brain, but it's like objectively, I'm like very satisfied and very proud of like what I did, how I performed, how I handled it, all of those things. Right. But all of those feelings are like a little bit haunted by this kind of nagging, like, well, I should have just fucking done better. Like I could have, and I should have, and like, why didn't I, you know? And, um, I think that's true in my life you know, in some life goals and like flesh and blood and climbing or whatever, there's like, um, never really a hundred percent, like, like contentment, you know, it's always just kind of like, it's like, yeah, I mean, I am happy and I am content and satisfied and proud, but there's always just that, like that other bit that kind of like, you know, haunts you a little bit, like, well, you know, ah, I should have, I could have, I could have done better and I should have. And there's like no real reason except I kind of failed myself, you know? Um, so anyway, there's uh <laughs> there's my quite long anecdote, um, about how my competitive brain works. And I think that that's something that I kind of grapple with as a very like self-competitive person. And, um, it mm-hmm. was just like really, uh, made kind of crystal clear in the metaphor I had this weekend, um, that directly correlates to like specifically competitive flesh and blood. Right. But, um, yeah. Beautiful story. Uh, two questions, maybe just one actually. What route was it? Mm, I don't remember the name. It's fairly new. Oh, okay. um, it was at the marble caves. Uh, it's pretty stout for off the couch. Me. <laughs> um, Sweet. Well, good job. Slash, what the fuck? You should have done better. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And I had I had my prep time, and then I had my window. I had my window when I could have done it, and then after that, I, I, I didn't have the strength anymore, you know. And but I, I had it, and I let it go. Totally. I fully understand that both from a flesh and blood standpoint and a rock climbing uh standpoint for sure like for me uh one of those moments was like the vegas calling the first one when i just was like all i want to do is just day two that's it that's all i care about and -hmm. then i was like in a pretty good spot to like uh top eight the event and then i was like oh fuck now i could top eight awesome well let's try that and then i didn't do that and i was like fuck i suck dude (laughs) but I still made (laughs) top 25, which was pretty rad, but, uh, it was like hard to swallow, but yeah, it's like, if you had told me I would accomplish my goals, then that would have been awesome. So yeah, you'd uh, be like sold done. That's great. Yeah. You know, but (laughs) excellent. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But yeah, uh, 
yeah, it's it's always it's hard to maintain uh, that you know perspective and that sort of thing in the, in the the moment when it's happening, you know. And it yeah, can and that- go the it can go the other way too, though. Like you have this opportunity to have done really well, uh, exceeding expectations in the moment, and you can also view that as like, oh, holy shit, like. That's pretty freaking good. I did not think I would be here in this moment where I am and I'm doing it. I'm surprising myself. And that is, uh, this is just such, so cool. What an opportunity I'm having. So, you know, it can be also one of those moments too, if you can train yourself to make them one. Yep. Yeah, totally. And that, I mean, that kind of drive has value as well and that it motivates you and stuff, but it would just be like, just be nice to sit completely serene and uh, accomplished, you know, but I guess totally. then life would be over. So there's, you know, well, I think you ascend. I think that's called a light enlightenment. <laughs> yeah, you just, yeah, you just ascend into a spiritual being that is just part of the universe now. Yeah. So uh, if only, man, I'm, I got, I missed by like half an inch <laughs> and I just slapped blank rock and fell <laughs> <laughs> to your death. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, how are you doing? So that, that's been my weekend and my little, uh, which I should pref or not preface, but, um, say that this did not take away from my enjoyment of the weekend at all. Right. Like I was like outside active doing something I love. It's beautiful. I'm like with my dog and my buddy, like hundred percent awesome, satisfying experience. It's just like the, yep. that little like self-competitive drive. That's just like there just out in the wilderness, one tent, one cup between the both of you, one sleeping bag, <laughs> just light and fast on top of a mountain together. Love it. Totally. That's how you send, you know? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Love it. So beautiful. Um, Let's see. What's up with me? Uh, Well, we are in uh, basketball season. Uh, So that's going on. Um, And we haven't had our first game yet. We were supposed to have a game last week, but there's this like pretty gnarly sickness going around. It's not COVID. It's but like every athlete in Northern California like had it for the last two weeks. So the team had to cancel. So now we have to, uh, instead of playing a team that was going to be a bit more competitive for us, uh, we now have to start our season against a pretty tough opponent. Uh, And it's an away game rather than a home game. And I was really looking forward to having a game under our belt to kind of like gauge where the team's at and kind of frame Monday's practice around that to prepare us uh, a bit more. And then uh, we have like our first major tournament uh, coming up also. And we, I was hoping to have two games under our belt and kind of have figured some stuff out. So now it kind of changes how I have to like coach the team and frame things for this first week, which is a little bit upsetting to me, but you know, it's just a little bit of 
adversity that we're we're gonna overcome. But uh the basketball team's looking pretty good. I have uh you know a very good group. I have like one of the at my small school, I'm blessed with one of the best players uh in the county, period. Uh, which is really awesome. He's probably the best player in like, I mean, one of the best players I would bet in this, like, you know, five counties that's around us, you know, between uh, here and Shasta County and Mendo and uh, Siskiyou's and stuff, you know, which is pretty rad. I'm like very lucky. So uh, I always have that like safety valve if things aren't going good, <laughs> just like get that kid the ball, <laughs> get yeah. out of the way, you know? Uh, so that, that's pretty awesome. But I have this like group of kids who like all kind of fill a similar role kind of, and I don't know who is going to perform better than the others, you know? So I like don't know. You know, after three minutes go by, like, who do I sub in for, you know, some sort of adjustment or something like that? So, uh, well, we're going to have to figure that out. Uh, but I'm excited. It's it's a cool group. And um, yeah, it, it should be a really, really good season. I'm just I just need to play some games now. <laughs> you nice. know? Did you get all your kids from football? Uh, yeah, but then two of them went to Hawaii and they're like two of my better players. So I'm like a little upset about that. Like permanently or just on vacation, just on vacation. They missed, (laughs) they would have missed the first game in like five practices or whatever. I mean, they did, but you know, so, so that's upsetting. Yeah. Small school problems when you're, you only have enough kids like to play every sport. Like all of my kids basically play football, basketball and baseball or soccer or something like that. Um, so if the fall sports do really well, it like cuts into basketball season, like the preseason practices and stuff, and they're not available to practice. So it's challenging for sure, uh, to be able to figure out how to get everybody ready and on the same page so quickly and stuff. So, but I mean, it's once it gets going, I'm fine. Yeah. But this is the hardest part for me (laughs) as the athletic director of the school. Did you manage to finagle any advantages for uh, your team? Uh, We have a shit ton of home games, which is pretty sick. (laughs) Nice. Well done. Yeah. And like last season, it was like, we were playing five games like in a week like back-to-back weeks, I was like, what is this schedule? This is brutal. And now it's just like everything's well-spaced apart. You know, our opponents are, we got a lot of choice opponents. You know, it's it's great. It's it's a very, very good schedule, and I'm very proud of it. Um, nice. So that's the, the advantage we have there anyway. <laughs> So I'm stoked. I can't wait. Next pod, I'll just probably talk all basketball. Hopefully we win this tournament this weekend. I think we will. So you have that to look forward to. Nice. <sighs> all right. Should we get into this episode? Yeah. What What were we, what were we going to talk about? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, re- I'm ready. <laughs> Thank you.
Awesome. Okay, so like we said, we're going to talk about uh, Dynasty today and, you know, our initial takes or whatever. So what I wanted to start with was what what's the overall vibe check of Dynasty? How are we liking this Dynasty vibe? Uh, I'm loving it. Nice. It's like... Um, I don't know how to, how to quantify it really. It's just like, it's very flashy maybe, or exciting because there's, they have a bunch of things like, you know, Marvel rock or like <laughs> nitro mechanoid, you know, yeah. or even like a uh, merciless battle axe, which I don't think is great. Um, but like flavor wise, I think is awesome, you know, um, I think they really just the overall vibe for me is like very, I don't know, like uh, energetic, like bright and colorful and just like um, infuses a lot of life into the game, which. Uh, yeah, is great. It's got me hyped up. What, how how's your vibe check going? Uh, vibe is good. Uh, you know, Dynasty, I think, passes the vibe check. Uh, I don't think it's as rich in flavor as Everfest was but that like extra carnival item trinket flavor we like also suffered for right in those things being like not good cards or playable <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean so uh it is maybe better that it's just like it's pretty good vibe but it's not like you know over the top in its vibe <laughs> yeah but all the marvel weapons like you said are really cool like they look like they're in the emperor's throne room or secret weapon vault or something like that uh and and that's really fun and just the fact that they have like there's a new class who murdered the uh emperor even before we got to play with him you know which was pretty cool uh so those things I, I, I like, you know, and the artwork's great again, just like really nailing, nailing the artwork. Yeah, definitely. I think that, um, I mean, they did a good job with the emperor theme and now we have the assassin, which kind of forwards the story and that the assassin has killed the emperor. Um, and the emperor following the like build up storyline, straight from uprising you know i think they did a pretty good job of giving this set a theme without um you know like you said the um the everfest theme was great but then it just translated us into us having like a bunch of cards like uh high striker or pick a card any card or whatever that card's called you know or mm -hmm. whatever um which just ended up being I don't know, maybe something's playable someday, but it just kind of like um, underwhelming or disappointing once you got the cards in your hands and were like, you know, trying to play with them. Right. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, so what do you think are kind of the biggest hits in in the set? And you can interpret this however. You know, obviously, uh, Marvel Emperor is the biggest hit. We know that. But we're not talking about open packs. Um, so how did you interpret that question? What are your big hits? 
Um, I had a few cards I picked as hits. Um, I also like selected some um, some heroes I thought were real winners in this set. But uh, just as far as hits, um, I'll start with Skullcrack. Uh, I think that's a really, really big hit because um, Reinar's added cost of discarding cards, which they've obviously really leaned into, um, almost all the cards in this set rely on that, uh, has always been a bit too high of an added cost when you factor in you know, just the numbers of damage they're dealing and the fact that a lot of uh, top-tier decks don't want to block anyway. So I think that Skullcrack is a hit because it gives you an added benefit to discarding cards, right? Like, um, you know, like uh, Madcap Charger is one of these, right? It becomes one for five, go again, block three. Um, right. Uh, Massacre is like kind of the classic that gives you added bonuses for discarding that card. And so I think if they're going to lean into the discard ability, they need to print cards like this that, uh, I don't know, have some cool ability or flavor or something that's not just like, well, it cost me three cards to do seven damage. That's not great, you know? Um, so I, I, I don't know how functional they are yet, but I think that... Um, cards like this and the cards they printed uh are like pretty great what about you nice. you got a hit for me or you want to talk about skull crack at all well i just would agree that i think brute is one of the hits here in this set in terms of like everything right like you know rock from every card rock all the way down to uh you know rumble grunting you know what i mean uh, mm-hmm. Like, I think all of those cards are good, viable, interesting, great art, you know, uh, beaten trackers, uh, just dope art. And for all you like, you know, guys who like them piggies out there, uh, you're getting some of that, you know, I really like the art on, I know I'm just talking about art cause I'm looking at the cards, but blessing of savagery <laughs> is just is sick, you know? Like, yeah. it's uh, evocative. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they have rituals and this is one of them. What's going on? You know, I guess he's mm-hmm. getting blessed with savagery, you know, or whatever. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I really liked, I really like Brute. Um, for me, one of the big hits is, I th- you know, obviously Dash got a ton of upgrades, you know, or not upgrades, but just a lot of really good cards and cool stuff. Like, you know, it's also like every card seems awesome. You know, Rainbow Hyper Drivers. I even like Urgent Delivery Jumpstart, uh, Crankshaft. Mm, maybe not so great, but who knows? I don't know, you know. Uh, but then especially the Majestics, you know, and the piece of equipment, Galvanic Bender. And obviously the uh, Pulse Wave Harpoon, which I was sorting my bulk and uh, found a Pulse Wave Harpoon in there, which I was pretty stoked about. Nice. So you're going to be picking up Dash? No, it's too, that's too many cards. And <laughs> unless the 
the nitro mechanoid becomes like, you know, maybe tier one, I would be pretty into that. I really like transformers and mechs. So <laughs> it would be sick. I don't know how viable that is, but I didn't realize how like ridiculously easy it is to get out your, um, shoot hyperdrivers. No, you're nitro mechanoid just because of rainbow hyperdrivers and you can start the game with one of them. Right. Yeah. Um, and the BIOS update allows you to banish them and put them into play. Yeah, definitely. And you slowly do burn them. Um, you know, as the game goes on, but you can always just play out more. And what I didn't realize, I just assumed this, but Nitro <laughs> Mechanoid is not legendary. Right. So you can run three of them and it blocks for three. Yep. So the odds of you being able to play out one of nine or two of nine hyperdrivers and two of eight hyperdrivers and a Nitro Mechanoid is like actually pretty great. <laughs> yeah you know yeah. <laughs> like, yeah exactly yeah um so that's pretty scary something that everybody else probably realized and i just hadn't yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's such a sick card to have double-sided marvel cold foil like uh, mm -hmm. i wish i had pulled one i just want yeah. one for the collection you know not really because yeah. i'm gonna play dash but yeah dash big hit uh i think is was our was like kind of B tier before Dynasty, and I think now is A tier. You know, I think it's yeah up there. I with, think it was A tier. Now it's S tier. I don't know if you have an S tier in your ranking system, but I always forget that it goes higher than A, which is weird to me. So we're you in know? agreement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever the second tier is, it's that. Gotcha. Um, or whatever or it went from the second tier to the top tier yeah i think i mean hanabi blaster or hanabi blaster and pulse wave harpoon are like just strict upgrades right like a lot of the cards in this set are um like alternate archetypes or side grades or things to experiment with maybe but um these cards yeah. to me are just like really strong in the archetype they're made for. And the last thing I want to highlight for dash is bios update, which yeah. is uh, quite good. Also blocks for three. And I, I I'm going to be honest. I don't like this card because it's just like kind of trying high to high roll your opponent. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. if you have eight items in your deck, it's like, um, you're probably not going to hit one on the turn you play this, but then if you do, you like maybe win or, you know, I just like, I'm just about exchanges in games and playing with your opponent, not just like, well, is this the game you hit on two of your BIOS updates? Cause I, <laughs> I, I don't know what I take away from that, but you know, um, I understand it makes for like exciting gameplay or whatever. So I have yeah. a little bit of curmudgeon -y commentary. <laughs> uh what do you think else is a hit in this set um let's see uh i put iron song pride mm. um i really like that card in that i think dorinthia 
um, giving her another tool to punish decks who are like unwilling to adapt to her is like a good upgrade, right? Because Ironsong Pride isn't like overpowered or broken, but if you know players are going to play decks that like literally cannot adapt to like needing to block every once in a while, then having a card that you know punishes them for that and maybe like makes players adapt to Dorinthia and you know actually have to like change their strategy or you know uh interact with her i think is a, a good thing yeah it's a it's a pretty dope card i mean it's also an instant which is freaking awesome <laughs> yes. uh yeah I really like that. Um, and it's just like, you know, you used to work really hard to get a counter in Dorinthia, some boomer flesh and blood shit. And that was like <laughs> the game you were playing was like, if I get a fucking counter, you're so fucked. Yeah. But now Dawnblade just has a counter every other turn. It always has go again. You know, she's just freaking slicing and dicing you, hacking you down with her sword. And you just have to like kill her first, you know, while you like bleed out from all of these sword cuts and your armor's all fucked up and stuff. So this just adds more to that nightmare. <laughs> totally. Shin, Shin comes along and freaking pummels something and you're like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It gives Domblade go again. You overblock, then he pummels his CNC following it or something. Yeah, totally. That shouldn't be allowed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back in the day playing against Dorinthia, it was like, well, when when her Dawn played has go again, then you got to really respect it, right? This is when I maybe overblock, like, shit's getting real now. But then when it doesn't, it's like, well, you know, I can weigh what's going on or whatever. Maybe there's a glint. But, but now it's just like always go again. Yeah. And uh, just lose-lose, it seems like. <laughs> but... <laughs> uh, totally. <laughs> anyway, uh, on that note, what's your next hit? Uh, I think Kano is a big winner out of this. Uh, not really Icelander, although I think there is something to maybe explore with Icelander, like a separate archetype but i don't know if that archetype is actually going to be better than the the one we have right now um but yeah wizard just like got a bunch of cards that make the deck like more resilient or flexible um or just like better raises the floor right you know like Swell Tidings is, you know, awesome because now it's your sixth copies of Voltic Bolt in the deck. And now we just have cards that have like hit effects that um, are relevant or not. You know, it's, it's to be seen. But the fact that these cards now all kind of can do a thing if you let them, uh, it is totally relevant, you know. Um, and it seems like too, that there might be a new archetype emerging, right. For wizard, maybe a little bit, uh, one that plays a little bit more on its turn, like playing regular fresh flesh and blood. And then like 
storm striders you to to win the game or or something like that you know uh which is cool you know or it's just kind of a hybrid of both like canoeing a little bit less but if you have the window to do it you're doing it and your spells are all really easy to cast or something or you're just like value Kano, I guess this is kind of the same thing because now you have so many zero for threes and one for fours and stuff, you know, that it makes it really easy to like waning moon Kano, just, just always hitting them, getting a lot of value in and, and then making it. So your opponent has to like pitch cards on your turn so that then you can Kano them when it's their turn, you know, kind of like what Icelander kind of does you know, but with spells and a little bit more combo-y because you still have like wildfire you still have access to, you know. So mm-hmm. it's cool. Kano is a is a really cool deck right now, I think. Yeah, I really like what they did with like Aether Quickening or Mind mm-hmm. Warp, right? Are like really powerful, but not overly powered, right? Like so in order to get like the mind warp surge effect, you have to pitch a card to crucible and then play mind warp. So you like weirdly have two floating or, you know, it's like a two card hand to do three. But -hmm. if your opponent doesn't block it, it strips a card out of their hand, which is, and shuffles their deck, which is pretty wild. And like Aether quickening is just a scalding rain. Um, But if you do threaten the go again and you have taken more damage to hold a card, that you can then play after the go again if you get it like incentivizes your opponent to block some of that arcane from aether quickening and you know without it being like busted or overly powerful it just like uh makes some more interaction like different ways for you to kind of like attack their hand you know because if you if you're playing aether quickening for five holding one card then it it demands they give you at least one card and then yeah. you can like arsenal what you held or you can play it if they let it hit and like further punish them. Um, so I get like in the same vein as uh, Iron Song Pride, I just like when they give uh, classes tools to force your opponent to interact, right? Because we've we've been at certain spots in this game where it's like, well, yeah, if you're an ice hero, you're fine, right? Like, yeah. Or if you have like guardian attacks and pummels, you know, you're like well set up. But then like all of the other classes that don't really have a way to make an opponent interact with them or punish them for not um, are kind of just shit out of luck. So I'm a big fan of like any cards that, uh, yeah, make your opponent have to be adaptable. Totally. I also really like Blessing of Aether. I don't know if it's going to be good, but it is tantalizing you know in the waning moon kano because you can play this waning moon for two uh maybe keep tempo and then on your next turn you're like one card hand comes in for six which is pretty sick you know if you have a red zero cost yeah just awesome. spindle comes in for eight or whatever yeah yeah like exactly yeah. yeah 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 i really like this card like you can uh play it in waning moon kano or against like uh guardians or something you can sideboard these three in with waning moon you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. um, because then it gets a lot more value 
Yeah, you can get over their AB and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, pretty cool. So yeah, Kano is one of the big hits for me. Back to you, Isaac. You got another hit. Um, let's see. I think I kind of blew through all my hits already. <laughs> well, that's fine. Um, we can move on to misses if you want. I just thought you might have one more. Um, yeah, I mean, let's talk about, I do think that, I mean, so I rank like, like I agree with you, Dash is a hit, right? Um, I think Kano's a hit, more tools, better cards. Um, I do think that Azalea is a big hit in this set. Um, it remains to be seen how competitive she'll be or like playable she'll be. Um, so I kind of hesitate to just say like it's an auto hit, but um, she got a lot of, you know, a lot of cards that she needed and a lot of uh, maybe a new play style in the Sand Scour Great Bow. So, you know, Azalea has a very diehard following and a lot of people that love that character. So um, I was... I was actually very happy from what she got in Everfest and I'm like very happy to see what she got now. Now it finally feels like she has like, uh, you know, a bunch of cards for her that you can like deck build with. Um, you no longer have to just like fill in the blanks with like this shitty arrow or this like generic cause it's the best thing around. It's like now you have mm-hmm. like, um, options to, you know, get creative and, and build her well. So, I guess that's my last hit azalea well now you got me on the azalea tangent because i've been playing actually a lot of azalea i have just transitioned after our two-year anniversary or in our second year into you basically you're playing like (laughs) cool meta decks and winning and stuff and i'm just flubbing around playing heroes i love and weird shit um (laughs) you know it's just part of my evolution. <laughs> how how is it? It's kind of weird, huh? <laughs> uh, Sands Sandscour Great Bow. It feels like there's something there. Like it's it's pretty rad. Like I think initially I wasn't playing it uh, great. Just the card is a little confusing and that sort of thing. So like initially I was playing it like, oh sweet, I want to get aim counters here. Nice. Cheers. Uh, (laughs) But then it would be like, I get an aim counter, but it's not dominated. So that's not great. But then if it's just in my arsenal, put in face up off an Azalea activation, then it gets dominate and an aim counter. So then it was like, oh, okay. So then the play pattern is like, you can cross wrap to opt one great not not the arrow you want send it down then you can sand scour to basically opt one again and then if it's an arrow you want any arrow because it could be like you know remorseless or you know drill shot or or whatever you know then you just like don't load an arrow from the top of your deck you know you you do it from hand or whatever uh, that doesn't get a name counter. And then you Azalea it in, and then it gets a name counter, and it has Dominate, and now you're freaking off to the races, which feels really good. Uh, and you can, like, 
just hammer down the damage really fast because uh, you are I'm finding you dominate like really regularly, you know, like basically almost every turn, um, which is pretty nice. sweet. So you're like pushing the aim counter hit effects on stuff like drill shot has been an overperformer for me. Uh, just taking away their armor for late game has been pretty sick like even just if it's their tunic like that's so huge that like at the end of the game they just get no value out of that you know what i mean Mm -hmm. uh so that has been awesome and i am enjoying all of the new arrows uh even long shot has been kind of cool because it's like uh like red long shot plus seek and destroy comes in for eight dominate the classic you know for no resources and you like need very few resources to make this happen um i well, wonder it costs one resource to load the bow right but it's like you know you don't have to pitch a blue every turn you know right. what i mean right you yeah. can like because you have access to a fifth or sometimes a sixth card because of the top of your deck when you draw all reds, it's like not the end of the world mm-hmm. because you have access to so many extra cards, you know? Um, and I'm wondering, like, I guess Azalea's ability still doesn't work with New Horizon, right? But does Sandscour Greatbow work with New Horizon, you know? Um, you just don't have Go Again. Yeah, capitalize on a double arsenal. I think the benefit is if you like Azalea something in you don't want. Or you know what I mean? Like a defense reaction or something you can't use this turn. Like knock the death whistle or like whatever. Um, Then you can just like fire around it. Right? Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of the the new horizon benefit for Azalea. Um, Right. But I, I think... Uh, Skullbone Crosswrap is probably still better, but I'm sure lots of people would disagree with me out there. But before we move forward, Taylor, I have the the classic Azalea question for you. How many arrows are you running in your deck? Oh, uh, I think I was running like, depending on the matchup, 33 to 36. Oh, nice. Um, And then the rest are, I mean, it's just basically just like trying to figure out where the good stuff is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I could run like a few less and have a few more like utility spots um, because you do get through, you can see so many cards so quickly with Skullbone, Sandscour, uh, uh, Glide Path, you know, etc. cetera, uh, that it's not hard to find arrows. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, And then I think the thing I'm missing is just like, this is the next evolution I have realized is I was running a lot of the aim counter stuff, you know, like drill shots and uh, whatever the bore one is and even long shot. But I think I could just kind of like you have access now to quite a few just really good arrows and just run the best arrows because if I sand scour and see like remorseless on top, I don't have to put it in 
and feel like, oh, well, it's not getting an aim counter, so it's useless. It's like, no, I got to see a really powerful card and then I can just Azalea it in. You know what I mean? And now it has Dominate. So um, I think that's the next thing for me. But some of the cards are just not good. Like, uh, what is it? Point the tip. Terrible. Which is terrible. Yeah. Card. I had an angry tweet about that. Yeah. That's like just <laughs> classic, classic ranger bullshit where the card has go again, but if you Azalea it in, you now don't have a target face up arrow in your arsenal. And so you can't play it until you Azalea it away again. Uh, which is pretty stupid. <laughs> so not happy about that, but th- so there's uh Azalea time with Taylor. <laughs> nice. I'm loving it. I love the journey that you're going on. I hope to join you <laughs> brewing Azalea. <laughs> it would be great if here. you did. Cause you would like probably shortcut weeks off of my life, you know? So I would hook, love to, I've just been up. addicted to Kano lately. And I also have to like upgrade Dromai. So I don't know. I'm just not playing enough for the amount of things I want to do with a brand new set. You know, it's weird having a brand new set drop and then have like no play, which is good for us. It's like good to have a break, but um, I don't know. Just well, for, a lot of ideas brewing in my head. Yeah. For me, it's like, oh, good. I get to like muck around with Azalea and like, axe dorinthia and bullshit you know Mm -hmm. with no consequences of time wasting or anything (laughs) like that so it's actually been i think great uh for me in that regard all right let's talk about misses what are the biggest misses um so my first big miss, and uh, this is probably the biggest hit in the set as far as flavor goes, and miss as far as functionality goes for me, and that is Rock. I'm, uh, <laughs> I love that card, but I'm just like disappointed in the numbers, um, specifically because like all of these things you're trying to do with Rock, right? Like um, Madcap Charger just enables club more easily and for not that mm-hmm. much worse right so like if you're running a swing uh swing fist um and madcap charger deck right like you can play a blue madcap charger discard a sixer and then you're coming in for five go again and then five uh one intimidate off three cards so that's three cards one intimidate for 10 um maybe at weird break points uh Still just vanilla damage, but that's kind of the, we're kind of approaching the rate that you would like, right? Um, Right. And that's a great play. So then having rock instead where you can only do that on a tunic turn or if you set up, you know what I mean? Or if I guess if you discard Skullcrack, it's just like to me doesn't seem worth it. And maybe it just is a flavor card and, you know, that's great, but uh, it would be nice if it, I don't know. It's just a little bit more powerful. I feel you. I totally yeah. understand that. Yeah. 
Uh, for me, one of my biggest misses is just illusionist. You know, we just have illusionist cards uh, and they're really only playable in Blitz, which I understand the, you know, probably hit the printers before um, What's-Her-Face, Prism, like Living Legend and that sort of thing, you know. Uh, so mm -hmm. just kind of a miss there. Like I don't have any of them committed to memory because I don't have to face them and I don't play Illusionist. So even though it's a miss, it's like I don't think it's a knock on the set at all. I'm sure those cards will be useful, but uh, I'm also just like ready for a non-talented illusionist. The one who's on like Spears and some other cards, whoever that lady is with white hair. Um, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, that would be cool. I would like to see that. Yeah, I wasn't really sure if... Um these illusionist cards are for prism or i think they're for a new illusionist in the future or something um just with all of the ward spectral shield play um it just seems a bit different than prism but yeah i agree with you that like you know hindsight's 2020 but mm -hmm. uh you know illusionist got like nothing this set right the only one left drum i got like very little and there's like a whole bunch of cool cards here uh, that I actually ordered, but that just feel like they're for some future illusionist in some future set, um, which, it, you know, is, I mean, it's fair to call that a miss, right? In a set you're buying now to have a whole bunch of unplayable cards. <laughs> yeah, like I opened two tomes of AO and I just gave them to you, you know? Yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so my next miss is uh, Guardian stuff. Yep. It's just like... Period. <laughs> I mean, so granted, it's it's like something a little different in that it, you know, it's more of a defensive archetype instead of just like more Thunderquakes or whatever. Um, yeah. But it's just so one-dimensional and so like, right, it's like only a bunch of hyper-defensive cards. And mostly like large defense reaction cards. And it just like, I don't think is very interesting. Although the shield bash art is like hot fire. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, totally. I do. Uh, I appreciate the guardian stuff in the fact that it is exploring a different. Um, what am I trying to say here? Archetype or just design space, you know, within the game. And so I appreciate it for that, but uh, is basically, you know, nothing you want to see if you're a, a guardian player. Uh, there are a lot of guardians in the game. Uh, so maybe one of them will utilize these tools maybe better. Maybe there's a sweet Valda deck or maybe it's just like, you know, all UPF Yoji stuff, you know, I don't know. Oh yeah. Uh, but you know, that's, that's probably one of, I think my overall misses with the supplemental sets is the, how do I say this? The like idea they give us that these 
things they've planted in this set are prepping us for later down the line. But then, you know, like we got copper tokens in Crucible and then, you know, here we are. We have gold (laughs) tokens and it's just like, you know, cool. We just have like a thing we're using sometimes or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's not like, you know, or we had Dread Scythe and Monarch, an unplayable archetype in for any rune blade. You know what I mean? So you're like, oh, sick. There's going to be a rune blade that cares about health gain or health gain is going to be huge or it's just going to be like pretty efficient to use three, you know, a whole blue to attack for four in the deck or whatever. Um, and that's just not the case also. So, or like Dreadbore, et cetera. I know Oz from Go Again Gaming, I think is the name of his channel. Shout out to him for reaching a thousand subscribers. He exclusively runs Dreadbore, but he's also like in Azalea Tryhard. Well, Tryhard is negative. He's, he's the leader of the Azalea cult, I guess is maybe more accurate. So, um, so he finds value in that, you know. So that's my tangent about supplemental sets. They give you false hope. (laughs) Totally fair. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it is cool to get all these alternate tools. But then if you get like an alternate tool that's really cool and then it's just like abandoned. Yeah, it's a bit of a, you know, let down maybe. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, because that's. So like that ties into my one of my misses is axe warrior, you know, like the sweet new axe is so cool. And I definitely want to swing a giant axe and chop people in half. You know, that would be just a fun way to play. But we don't have the support. And because of that, you're making me think that we're going to have sweet axe support. But I know it might just be like one card three sets from now is the axe archetype or the next axe card or something like that. So yeah. Yep. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's weird too. Cause you're working with like, they have the hatchets and the, the great axe now. Right. Yeah. So you need cards for both or one gets abandoned or they both get abandoned. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully somebody brews a cool axe build. Um, But yeah, the new axe, as cool as it is, it's kind of like rock in my mind. Gosh, it's so cool too. Man, (laughs) merciless battle axe, just freaking slice anyway. Yeah. You, You know what? Just to move backwards for one quick second, they obviously did not learn their lesson from uh miraging because they printed another one for six yellow card in phantasmal <laughs> symbiosis right so now you can have your like nine war heralds three miragings and three phantasmal symbiosis <laughs> to just get like train wrecked by prism um i'm really glad that i don't have to face that down damn it come on <laughs> Dodged a bullet there. <laughs> yeah, totally. Then your just sideboard is like, okay, I'm going to bring in 14 or like 
15 six cost or six power cards for yeah. no reason you know because otherwise they hit me for you know 21 18 anyway. yeah 18 off of blue yeah um <laughs> be awesome all right all right back on back to uh the normal timeline um <laughs> i actually have as misses i have aim counters as a miss um which please correct me if i'm wrong i just felt like uh tying all of these arrows to one specific bow is i don't know a bit un- uh unfortunate or limiting for like future rangers or bows or archetypes or lexi or whatever um i don't think these arrows are like overpowered with the hit effects just printed on them maybe they are a bit too strong or some of them are that could be argued but um it just it's like a bit unfortunate right because like all of these cards are just printed as you have to run sandscar great bow and your hero has to be able to use that weapon effectively otherwise these are all dead cards for like all of time um maybe the mechanical turn out to be really cool and it'll be worth it but that was kind of my my take yeah i'm surprised aim counters <clears throat> don't do more you know what i mean or mm-hmm. that if there it wasn't a non-attack action that was like if your arrow has an aim counter it has overpower or something like that you know what i mean mm-hmm. so or you know had has pierce one or i don't know what yeah. but anything at all yeah <laughs> so maybe they it will they are opening up design space to be able to utilize aim counters in different ways you know just like mm-hmm. uh, copper tokens and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> flash forward two years to yeah. Taylor's rant about aim counters. What the <laughs> fuck? And then they gave us, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, the hope hope is alive, but I'm prepared for it to just die. Uh, my last big miss so far is the lack of lore in this mm. set. It's been out for almost a month, and we got the Arachne one story, which was pretty good, but no, like, what's going on with Icelander, Dromai, and Fi? Who is the Emperor really? Like, and Shiana. Yeah, and Shiana's hanging yeah. out, like... Come on, there's this whole story. You promised us there would be a bridging between between that set and this set. And why have we are we waiting? Why why isn't it out here when the set release? Because like I just love that shit and I love to nerd out about it. And it makes it so that then when stuff happens in the game, it can tie itself back to the lore, which makes it for a cooler moment. You know what I mean? Like I do, it is really cool to read about your hero. Like yeah. just playing it is like fun and mechanically, but then when you read a whole like short story about your hero, you're like, "Whoa, cool!" You know? I don't. Know. Yeah, yeah. So let's freaking uh, give me the lore, baby. All right, that's it. My yeah, I I agree. <laughs> I love it. Just read it before I go to bed. That'd yeah. be a good night. You know? Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, 
My last miss is the just the lanterns. Uh, maybe there'll <laughs> be some multiplicative effect later or something. So, like the artwork is awesome. It's so beautiful, but um, there's just no world in which like <laughs> one point of anything is worth a whole card. Uh, hopefully I'll be proven wrong, you know. Anyway. Dude, what are you talking about? Lanterns are broken. <laughs> you, you still you also have to hit off the top of the deck. <laughs> you don't even get the effect automatically. But it's too right. easy. All right. You're just obviously not good enough at flesh and blood to understand or hit 100 percent hit rate. Does the meta like actually change now that we have uh, Dynasty out? Like, is anything dethroning Icelander, Old Him, and like the aggro decks? You know, the aggro deck of of your choice for that tournament. You know. Yeah, I I think that the meta will stay pretty similar, with one exception in that I see Dash like kind of taking over right because dash is a sideboard into guardians and um could already maybe arguably race fi maybe not but um now with all of the dash upgrades it you know would logically follow that dash would step into maybe that aggro deck spot um specifically because of her strong game into guardian it's also a, a pretty tough matchup for icelander and um Maybe even now for Kano as well, uh, with just like all the hyper drivers and everything going on. Um, right. What's your meta take? Yeah, that's basically, I agree 100% with you. I think Kano is like one of the unsung best decks in the format. You know, I don't, I don't think it's so much a triangle. I think it's Icelander, Old Him, Dash, and then Kano is like the trapezoid that we're working with there um and you know so we'll see if like things start to shift and people start packing spell void or oasis respites or something like that uh and then maybe kano or icelander fall off a little bit uh but then you you know we'll just see but i don't think it's going to change like too drastically other than like you know, Dash obviously is going to be really good. And we kind of saw that in Philly, I think, you know, like, mm -hmm. and, but part of that too is like surprise factor. People don't know really what's happening and how to play against it and that sort of thing. So uh, just give it a little bit of time. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I was thinking about Kano though, in that I, I do think Kano is like, fairly strong right now but i actually totally. think that kano was strong pre-dynasty i don't yeah, think that any agreed. of these new cards like made the deck way more powerful so i well i think um kano has a place in the meta it's just like it always seems like a minority of players want to play that deck probably because of the like non-linear play style and um, yeah kind of difficulty in playing it especially like over a long day so I mean, we'll see, you know, maybe with the upgrades that deck will become more prevalent, but, um, yeah, 
like you said, LSS has also done, um, you know, their job in providing like specific Kano hate cards, like Oasis for Spite, <laughs> um, you know, or even cards like Sand Cover or um, Irina's Prayer, or you know, there's like very, very specific anti uh, tall arcane cards. So we'll see where that goes. Indeed, we will. Uh, so what? Let's talk about the assassin in the room, Arachne. I just checked behind me. He's not there. <laughs> Safe. That you could see. <laughs> uh, um, totally. Why don't you go for I think you've played more Arachne than me. I would be interested in hearing your breakdown of him or her or they. Oh, man. I was hoping we were going to get through a podcast without doing that, like every other podcast has done. Uh, but that's all right. Add it if it's on your bingo card. You know, uh, dang, I blew it right out of the gates. Cheers to you. <laughs> uh, so I think Arachne is really cool. It's a really cool deck to play. Uh, it is also really interesting and unsure of where it fits into the meta, if at all, because it kind of requires you to really understand um how to trade properly like if you have really good flesh and blood fundamentals i think you can do pretty good with arachne because like your best turn is like spider's bite use your tunic to cnc you know what i mean so you like pitch a blue and then Mm -hmm. you deal seven damage but then it's like impossible to block that hit effect kind of um so that's like pretty cool but then the rest of the game is just like trying to make the best trades you can possible and um you know get as much value out of the black tech whisperers and the mask as possible i've even played around with like not running the mask uh and having like something else that like maybe blocks for three in certain matchups uh or that just allows you know like uh, crown of providence is pretty good but anyway so uh i don't know where it fits into the meta is my summation but it is ha- it has potential but you have to be ready to play like the full like 50 minutes <laughs> to yeah. get your opponent to this like end game where like you just attack reaction them or shred them or you know because then like spiders bite into a thing becomes you just get a ton more value out of that, you know, because then you're like dealing a damage and requiring them to basically block with two cards every turn off of your either one for five or zero for four. Um, and you can just like continue to grind them out that way. Or if you have like full tempo, you're like spiders bites but you know you can kadachi lock them kind of so yeah there's a very dory-esque um nature to the end of the game that kind of comes up where because of shreds and cut the chase i think it's called yeah Um, that's the other one yeah uh whereas if you're both down at like seven life all of a sudden you can just die instantly Mm -hmm. you know so um the game is Mm -hmm. not equal when you're playing against Arachne and uh, you get too low. Yeah. 
totally. And plus you like wind up knowing what's in your opponent's deck. You know what I mean? Like when you're there to that few cards, they might have like, you know, 12 cards left in deck that you have to keep track of. And it's like not that hard. So you don't have to worry about like getting blown out by a sneaky attack reaction or they still have one of their big reds left or something like that. So you're like feels pretty favored when it gets to the end of the game. Uh, Mm. But, you know, how that does against like Guardian is not great. You you get friggin' walloped. So there's like the next and maybe it's already happened uh, and I just haven't seen it yet, but it's like, you know, what are the good generics that we can fit into the deck that help it in its weaker matchups for it to be more like well-rounded? I think that's at least that's where I'm at anyway. Hmm. Yeah, I uh, I first off really love the flavor of Arachne because I quite dislike Mill in other games, but I like that this. I really like how they incorporated Mill, but it's like you're filtering your opponent's deck and attacking their deck, but that's like not always your win condition, right? You just yeah. like have some amount of manipulation and can like cut out key cards, but um, you're not just like turtling up and milling, right? Like all D reacts and playing a spell to mill five cards or so, you know, that's like pretty lame to me personally for like play styles that I like. So I first off, like really like how they tackle mill. And my initial experience with Arachne was I was playing Dromai or Kano into it. So I was like pretty unimpressed because that's a really <laughs> good matchup for either Dromai or Kano. Right. Um, but then I had an interesting conversation with you and uh, you and Colin or you and Mitch maybe um, where, you know, you guys talked about like, well, yeah, but the deck is like maybe really good into dash or like maybe even really good into five, like decks that are like really card hungry and don't, you know, want to block quite as much um so then you know if that is the case then hopefully kana or uh arachne you know at worst can be like kind of like azalea and that you can like attack decks that are weak to it and so maybe it's you know kind of a medical or a spike deck um or maybe hopefully it you know, as it evolves, could be a little bit more well-rounded so it can have its strong matchups like those. And uh, like you said, some some tech to uh, deal with its bad matchups will emerge. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, we'll see. Like, this just might be the assassin pool for quite a while. I don't know. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. it's still pretty cool. And it's still super early and, uh, you know, I'm not writing it off yet for sure because it's new, you know, whole new way to play Flesh and Blood. Well, and there's just a lot of cards to consider, right? Like, uh, you know, Razor Reflex, Command and Conquer, uh, Sigil of Solace, Fate Foreseen, Sink Below. Um, You know, there's like uh, a lot of generics that, can function really well and because it's like a completely new play style 
um, you know, I don't know. Uh, every, <laughs> anything's possible. Agreed. So how would you rank Dynasty versus the other two supplemental sets? So Crucible and Everfest. Uh, just kind of very a la Crucible, right? Like it feels like a lot of characters got new tools, um, not too many just straight like power creep upgrades, hopefully. And, uh, I, you know, it's easy for me to say it's much better than Everfest because Everfest to me was like a lot of unplayable cards and then some pretty like offensive cards like Miraging Metamorph or uh, <laughs> Swarming or Revel, you know, cards that are just like strictly much better and then cards that are just not really playable, right? So uh, being an upgrade from that is, uh, not, you know, not, not that hard. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's hard to beat Crucible, and it's also hard to compare it to that because of the time in which it came out in our uh, early days, how it was a pretty monumental set that like addressed the current meta and made the game better and more fleshed out. Cause it was like so early. Um, so hard to know if it's actually better than that, but I think it's safe to say that Everfest is bottom tier and, uh, dynasty <laughs> is above it. <laughs> you know, I would say, I would definitely say crucible, maybe crucible was like a bit better, in terms of like cards for card in the in the whole set you know like everybody got an upgrade it seemed like there were no real misses uh mm. whereas like the hits in dynasty are great in their for sure hits but there are just some like you know there are some misses for sure um the second thing I know this is a little off topic and also my back in time moment, but I did want to talk oh, about cool. how, how, <laughs> how Viscerai <laughs> is, uh, I think in a really good spot here, here are my quickly, my two good takes is that, uh, mauve skies, shrill Rosetta is now mauve skies, uh, deathly duet. Sometimes, sometimes shrill, rosetta you know like <laughs> sometimes sometimes <laughs> <laughs> like i think that card is still just really good that card's really good for a basically a two for six you know mm -hmm. uh into you know with, with that type of play pattern so that fits in right away um and then you know it's obvious that there's like another like rune chant machine going on but here's my hot take on viscerai is that cryptic crossing is super dope, but is this set's uh, Blossoming Spellblade. It's mm. just like a card that you want to build around and you want to make it good, and it's freaking sweet, but it's going to be not viable to pull off, and so we won't play it. Yeah, like you really want to pummel it, but then pummel doesn't really fit very well into Viscerai. Yeah. I mean, you do have a bunch of two-costed attacks that you can just pummel everything. 
which I built this deck and it felt like it had some, some sauce to it, but, um, it's hard. (laughs) It's a whole new Um, archetype. Just trying to pummel shit just for cryptic crossing, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, I am glad you brought up this right though, because he is my honorable mention for this set. Um, Oh, nice. I really like that there's a bunch of, well, first of all, we got like Blessing of the Occult, which is more Runechant generation for that, you know, future big archetype. But I really like these cards like Aether Slash and Runic Reaping, um, which are one cost cards. I know Runic Reaping is a non-attack action, but um, I do like these one cost cards that... uh, Along with, um, you know, meet and greet and these other one cost cards from the past will slide in once Briar and Rosetta living legend. So once you're back to Nebula blade, which is like two for five damage on hit, it's very good. You can still play like mob skies, you know, one for four on hit, create a rune chant uh you know into nebula blade is still like a very powerful turn so mm-hmm. i just like to see that um the viscera i got a few more tools uh to maybe just like be flexible or viable after um you know rosetta living legends totally fair enough i think yeah that's totally true there are a lot of one cost attacks in viscerai now yeah consuming volition great card yeah meet and greet etc uh it's interesting it's in a cool spot loom and doom obviously is really cool you know and we'll see now that all of these cards have like pseudo fusion basically right Mm -hmm. uh which maybe it's worse than fusion because you have to like pitch them both to make it happen i don't know um so we'll see. I, but it's a bit more flexible, right? Because you're going to pitch something to play like, you know, some of them. Some of them, like Deathly yeah. Duet has two modes. So right. it's going to do one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's my point about that card is I think that's kind of the best card that instantly fits into a deck, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Dynasty uh, is close second to crucible and beats the pants off of everfest agreed the, the summation of that let's get into some listener questions here so for some reason, our audience on the Discord, which shout out to the Discord, uh, unprompted, just had a bunch of questions for us, mainly Nate. <laughs> and uh, we're going to uh, read off all of those right now. So if you ever have a question for the podcast or whatever, just send us an email, the attack action podcast at Gmail, or tweet at either me and Isaac, leave something on a YouTube. Join the Patreon where we have a channel for listener questions. And don't forget about the podcast discussion 
channel, everybody. I'm happy to see that that has been utilized more now post our episodes being uploaded. So that's awesome. So first question comes from Thor Mike. How has Dynasty shook up your class? Is the new archetype living up to your hype? Isaac? Um, I don't know. I have a lot of classes now. <laughs> um, so Dromai, I'm kind of excited to try um, things like Blessing of Spirits or uh, Tome of Ao into certain matchups, but they just feel like cards that'll be good into like guardian type archetypes, which you're already strong into. So to me, that's like, I mean, it's cool, but it's like, that's not where we needed a tool. Um, and like the, the upgrades to Dromai are like a bit underwhelming. Um, Crown of Dominion, maybe for when you go first is pretty cool. Uh, I'm most excited about Kano. I've been playing a lot of Kano and um, just these new tools that are available are very interesting. And uh, yeah, I have yet to delve into Azalea, so we'll see. I'm also, I, it's been a long time since I played Reinar and CC. Uh, I might be most excited about the tools that Reinar got because I don't know, they just kind of like warp his archetype the most maybe or maybe i just think it'll be the most fun to like build a deck around them nice what about you that's a very broad question <laughs> it is oh i'm actually running 39 arrows i'm super sorry uh, including blues and yellows though yeah but i side some of those out in some matchups so right okay sorry just had to check check the stats there that's cool. Um, it's cool. It's okay. <laughs> a lot of arrows, though. <laughs> it is quite a lot. Uh, it hasn't. Icelander got very to zero help, so there's no hype. It got nothing, and uh, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> but I am excited to try out the Viscerai stuff uh, for sure to see what the fuck's going on there maybe he can like move up a tier now i don't know um there are definitely like some good cards you know just adding looming doom in there blue that blocks for three another strong blue in the deck the backbone of viscerai love it so yeah that's what i got okay next right. question and these are all from nate shout out to nate what a dude uh <clears throat> typo uh, which hero got the most help from Dynasty and which hero got passed up? Isaac. Uh, Dash got the most help, obviously. Um, boy, we didn't talk about Katsu at all. Um, oh, right. I'm going to, I think that uh, Guardian got passed up. Yeah. I'm going to agree with you 100% on that one, Isaac. Um, how. Next question. How bad does it feel to open a case and not open a legendary? Mm, I'm going to change my answer. I think Droma got passed up. <laughs> fair enough. So did but, Icelander. So did Icelander. Yeah. And they're newer. So that's fair. Yeah. Uh, that I did not open any cases. 
Taylor. Uh, I bet that feels bad, and I did open two legendaries out of five boxes. Yeah, so I am a fan of the randomization because I think everybody knows this, but when they used to have like one legendary per case for um, other games, uh, certain stores or vendors would just like open packs until they found the one and then would sell the other ones as loose packs because they were guaranteed to not have another legendary. And that was like a real problem. Um, So I'm glad that LSS has randomization um, just to like, you know, forgo any of that. But granted that does come with um, these kinks. I think they're trying to iron out, right? Like they have the, the Marvel weapons that are chase cards. They have the, you know, the emperor, they have different legendaries. There's like different uh, special cold foils, like cold foil, uh, burn them all right. Or frost hex. But I think they're trying to figure out how to have the boxes be random and still have like everybody kind of have a hit or a feel good moment. And I think they're still working on yeah, agreed. Sorry you didn't get any L's in a case, Nate. That sucks. Especially because he collects L's. Mm, dang. <laughs> which is which is funny. Uh well, it's like maybe who doesn't move on bro? To collecting W's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Nate Zing. Boom, got him. <laughs> uh speaking of Nate, he asks, Will the Emperor be viable, or do you think the Emperor, Yoji, and Crown are all for PvE? I do not think the Emperor will be viable. And I don't... <laughs> I know a lot of people really like brewing Shiana, right? And maybe she will someday be viable. But I don't personally like these legendaries that are, like, not viable, right? Because if I opened a case and all I pulled was an Emperor, I'd be like, meh. You know, it like, opening an L and having it be kind of a feel-bad is, like, a bit unfortunate. But what do you yeah. think? Have you played a game with the Emperor? No, I have not. I could care less about the Emperor. And I will build a Yoji deck if there's ever some planned like PvE. And we'll see about Crown. Uh, or if there's planned UPF for Yoji. Excuse me. Uh, and we'll see about Crown. It seems good enough to be played, but also... Not because of the headpieces in the game are at a place where they're just really good and really, really important. So it's hard to play it over the other stuff that you have available. Yeah, I think Crown will be use case playable because I think having the gold or having access to the gold or um, some of these royal cards, um, because all you're giving up is like, one sink below trigger and two block in most decks. And then obviously decks like Ninja or Ranger cannot use the crown. Right. Um, okay. Uh, next question from Nate. This is specifically for me, I believe, since you do not have a lawn, Isaac. Uh, well, I but- have 60 acres of lawns, but... <laughs> Those when it's like that definition of a lawn, (laughs) those are called fields. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, In prairies, those are what those are called. 
mine don't grow to like 24 7 365 you know yeah totally uh so lawn maintenance update so here's the update the mower is in the shed for the season battery disconnected and while that is happening we're uh i don't know how many times like uh five times expanding our garden area so it connects to the house so now and then we're like putting down cardboard and mulch on top of the grass there so in the future there will be more flowers and less lawn so that's kind of the update nice boom more flowers less lawn yeah totally the best sounds great And then last question from Nate, very topical for me today. Do you cut down your own tree for the holidays from your backyard? Uh, I do. I live in an oak woodland, which is like a, I don't know if you call it endangered. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't know if you call it endangered yet, but it's like a diminishing uh, ecosystem or whatever in California. Um, because of fur encroachment furs are native but without uh regular fire they have been moving into the oak woodlands so for me uh cutting down a little fir tree for my christmas tree is like win-win right because i want to get rid of the furs anyway and then i get a christmas tree awesome what about you how had your christmas tree shopping how's that going went great we have just this one stand of uh i think they're grand furs and one of the little ones i put in quotations it's still huge in the house but little compared to trees uh <laughs> maria turns to me and goes i think i'm just gonna go cut down our christmas tree right now and i'm like uh okay and then she comes back in the house with the christmas tree and we <laughs> set it up and she trimmed it and so yeah usually nice. we do it together but she just she just did it they're always way bigger than you think once you get them inside. Totally. Last year's tree was insane. <laughs> and I had to basically cut so much of it back to fit it in to the corner of the house where it needs to go. <laughs> also, second fun story about Christmas trees. When we first got our dog, uh, Brunhilda, uh, when she was a puppy, we got her just after Christmas. So our tree was still up. And she would like before she was really house trained would be like, Oh great. The forest outside and just walk under the Christmas tree and take a pee or a poop or something. And (laughs) so there was like a a week and a half where it was just like, she's headed for the Christmas tree, send her outside, you know, (laughs) but just funny to be like, yeah, this is where you bathroom. Yeah. This is outside to here. Yeah. (laughs) Just like also, yeah, that's a pretty good spot. Good, good idea. Hilda. So, there you go. Those are the listener questions. Thank you for the listener questions. We always appreciate them. On to board game from the closet with Isaac. So here at the Attack Action Podcast, we like to play many games, not just card games, not just flesh and blood. And sometimes we like to share one of those board games with you. Today's board game from the closet is mine. I've uh, I've had a bit of a drought lately because i haven't been playing enough board games and kind of blew through all the ones i played but 
when we were at Worlds and at the pub after party, or you know, call it what you will, uh, Mitch went over somewhere and wrangled up a game called <laughs> the Game of the Path, which uh, is a a board. I don't know what you call it, like a board building game, right? So you have a whole bunch of tiles and you each draw a hand of tiles and you take turns placing these tiles to then create the board. All the tiles have like different uh, paths on them that shape different directions and interconnect differently. And the objective is to keep building a path for your piece that when you put a new tile on, well, then your piece will follow the path until it can't anymore. And you're trying to keep your piece on the board and uh, have everybody else's piece run off the board eventually. Um, and as you build, as you put more and more tiles on, it becomes impossible to like completely stay isolated or just like put a tile and have your piece move very briefly. All of a sudden you're like, oh no, I have to put this tile down. And then your piece runs across the board following this crazy you know, line and hopefully stops before it's flung yeah. into oblivion. Um, I really like games like this because they're very easy to pick up, but offer like a lot of problem solving for your brain on the fly, you know? Um, so I, I enjoyed it very much. Thanks Mitch for uh, teaching us a new game. Totally. And it's a metaphor for life, <laughs> you know, it is, it is. <laughs> uh, in in awesome. so many ways. <laughs> well thanks everybody for joining us on this episode uh we really appreciate all of your support and your listenership it, it's uh pretty incredible that we uh get to do this and people listen to us so thank you from the bottom of our hearts and uh we'll see you next episode live from the YouTubes. So make sure you're subscribed and keep a lookout for the updates on that. Isaac's going to have a mustache. I'm going to have a mustache. Colin's going to have a mustache. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of mustache and, uh, just be prepared for it. You know, whatever mustache (laughs) you can never have too much of a good thing. Isaac, (laughs) come on. Everybody knows that. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Good night. Good morning. Thank you for listening. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at the Attack Action Podcast. On Twitter, we are at BattleBroTaylor and at BattleBroIsaac. Shoot us an email, theattackactionpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support us, like and subscribe. Shop for singles using our affiliate link or support our Patreon for as little as $4 per month.